1: Accelerating, Accelerating your,
2: your fandom. fandom this, this is Flash TV Talk. TV Talk. Three, two, Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Beau and I'm Belle. Belle, man, how you doing tonight? I feel goldrific. No, that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> 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 Gildedly glorious. How about yes, that?
1: Yes, I am I am gilded this evening with, with gold. Glo- I gl- love uh, gold.
2: There Golden it. face. Golden face. <laughs> Man, we're going to have some fun on this one. I can already tell. Oh, yeah. First, before we dive into this episode, there are some housekeeping items we got to let people know about. First of all, we wouldn't have a house if not for you, dear listener. That's right. We can't make this show happen without some help. So we need your help. Please help us make this show happen by heading over to Patreon.com. Slash tv talk if you like flash tv talk if you like good quality discussions on every single episode of the flash and you want to continue to have that wonderful goodness it can only happen with your help. So go over to Patreon.com slash TV Talk to become a patron today. Uh, also, there's goodies reason, and uh, reasons why you should do that as well. But let's talk about something else here. You like gold, Bell? I do like gold. Would you Would you like to put your face in gold?
1: I would. Yes, I venture that I very much <laughs> love
2: gold. Wait, I'm really excited about this, man. All right, so this has nothing to do with the Flash, but I did want to just kind of put it out there because, Bell, uh, you have heard me talk to you personally personally privately professionally uh prophetically about this game uh sea of thieves for xbox think- <laughs> for xbox and sea of Th- or xbox and pc uh, it's a pirate game man it's a lot of fun and i've been playing this like i've been playing a lot of this game over the last past year and uh, yeah they just announced this week that i can offer up an invite to a friend and so no longer do we have to get on uh, to record and prepare for flash tv talk and me try to convince you to come and play now you could do it for free over the next couple of days and i was thinking man we should actually stream it you know what that's amazing but uh so what what platform is this xbox or is this uh, uh pc or both it's xbox and pc well what 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 are we gonna be playing on I'm, well you're gonna play on pc and i'm gonna play on xbox or you can play on xbox and i'll play on pc or we'll both play on xbox i like to play on xbox wait no way they is it cross platform cross platform no more of this like that's the other thing too, right? Cause like when we did the DCU universe online meetup. It created all kinds of problems because we have some people on Xbox and some people on PlayStation. And then when we did the injustice thing, some people were on PlayStation and some people on Xbox. And I, granted, this doesn't have, you know, PlayStation, but it's got Xbox and PC. So if you've got a PC, you're good. If you've got an Xbox, you're good. You can choose whichever way you want to play. But um, yeah, man, let's let's do it. Let's play it. All right. Let's be pirates. All right. So follow us on Twitter at the real Bo York is me at ring that bell is bell. And uh, we will probably reshare it out to the uh, the Flash TV talk Twitter feed when we go live on by uh, uh, on <laughs> this is the brogues on on the sea, man. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <gonna> <laughs>
1: hey, Bo. What's the pirate's favorite letter?
2: Um, P. No, it is the sea. Oh, I I, I messed up your joke. Yeah, you my killed man. my joke. I hate you. Well, hey, uh, let me let me tell you what I don't hate. Uh, I don't hate you. I love you, man. I love hanging out with you, and I love the fact that we get a chance to record together. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, as I mentioned, uh, we are going through. My family is is moving. We are leaving uh Mississippi and and moving over to Texas and. It's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of hectic uh, stuff, and it's it's been stressful thus far. And as part of it, uh, it also means that I'm going to be on the road a lot, which means over the next few episodes from time to time, I'm going to have to actually record on the road as opposed to in a nice professional studio setting. Now, I'm going to do my best to travel with my equipment and make sure that I can present the best uh, quality podcast possible. But if we do have a little bit of a dipping quality over the next couple of weeks, that's on me. Uh, and so I take full responsibility for it. But we may, we might not. It might be fine. We might be better than fine. You never know. I'm looking forward to it,
1: because for once, my voice will be the golden one. <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> golden voice. All right, Bell. let's do this. Let's jump into The Rundown. The, the rundown. rundown. Episode 13 of Season 5, Gold-Faced, directed by Alexandra LaRoche and story by... Jonathan Butler and Gabriel Garza. Belle,
1: what happened this episode? Well, Barry and Ralph must go undercover as criminals in an illegal black market to purchase a device that could help them to stop Cicada. Once inside, Barry and Ralph find their morality tested as they slip deeper into the criminal underworld, eventually having to choose between committing a crime or losing the means to defeat one of their greatest foes. Meanwhile, Iris investigates a lead on Cicada's whereabouts and ends up in a dangerous situation.
2: Dun dun dun! <laughs> All right, man. I, You know, once again, we got an excellent episode to dive into. We got all the comedy, all of the uh, uh, tense, intense situations, and all of the sci-fi timey-wimey goodness that make up a excellent episode of The Flash. Uh, man, let's, let's start it off with the title character himself, the flash going undercover as a bad guy teaming up with Ralph. Uh, and man, I got to tell you, I mean, like all season long, I've just been blown away by this. Ralph is, is he's not my favorite character, but he is no longer my least favorite character.
1: I know. Right. New season, new Ralph. I keep saying it over and over again. It's, 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 it's nice to see him and not be like, uh, No, look,
2: I will even go so far as to say in this episode, this is the Ralph that I have always wanted. This is the elongated man I have always wanted. And this is the kind of dynamic that I think the two can kind of play at. If you wanted to do the idea that, you know, Barry is a little bit more of that kind of righteous hero and Ralph is a little bit more of the kind of roguish hero, uh, this is a way to put that on display because at the core, they still share the same value set, the same motivators and the same drivers. So Ralph thinks he's he's able to go, you know, uh, to, get, to, to get himself dirty. But then even once getting to that point, he realizes, nah, you know what? I'm not... <laughs> I'm not keeping medicine from little kids.
1: Right. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, the dirt that you're talking about is more of like, not not the kind of dirt where it's, you know, last season where he was like this misogynist, kind of like creepy sort of dirty stuff. Exactly. It's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the morally gray kind of things where like we're doing a crime, yes. yes, but we're but we're we're gonna eventually be this bad guy. And that's the kind of dirt that, that Ralph should be. I, I completely agree with you. And and they're doing such a good job now of 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 doing that and defining that and, and making Ralph way more palatable. Uh granted I you know, I, I like Ralph and I'm I, I really like what they've done with him this season to kind of make that character arc fully come full circle, basically, right? so he's no longer this you know scumbag guy he he's this you know, roguish hero that works
2: and is not cringeworthy. <laughs> he does, man. He even had some good lines here. His, uh, hey, anonymous criminal colleague. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked that, man. I think this is a good use of his character. And, um, you know, I, here, here's the, here's one thing that kind of came out of this. So I, I like the idea of them going undercover. I like even the, the concept that they are, you know, their powers are removed. So they now have to deal with this, uh, intense situation without the use of their powers. They're brought down on a more human level level but you know I can see Ralph passing off as you know undercover person and in this like large criminal organization it's the black market they're selling stuff these are obviously well informed this this isn't the riffraff you know what i mean this is not just some guy with a gun on the street this these this is the the international criminal organization uh the economy that that supports it to me it would make sense that they would be informed about you know who the local uh uh crime finding personnel personnel's would be well it's not just the fact so i guess this is my point it's fine that they went undercover obviously no one's going to know that they're the flash and elongated man but shouldn't they get like a read on Barry that he's actually like a forensic scientist for CPD, uh, the Central City Police Department? Well, and, and Ralph's a, a a PI, you know. Well, but PIs are kind of yeah, sure. But I
1: mean, yeah, you know, they, they certainly should have known about Barry. Um, and it, yeah, it, I guess you know maybe Ralph had done some underpinned dealings or whatever in his past, so that's probably not a big deal. But yeah, the, the guy prominently he works on the on the on the softball team where there was a bomb that went off earlier in this season or almost went off. And uh, surely there'd have been some people on the news and seen him there uh, if if not them having some kind of other surveillance to find out who this guy is. But yeah, it's, it's sort of weird that they just don't even know at all who he is.
2: Yeah, I, I, that that was one thing that got me. Now, I did like the fact that even though Barry was, you know, he was clearly standing out uh, pretty pretty aggressively early on. Like, it was clear that that of all, you know, of all the folks that don't need to be here right now, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the way he was carrying himself and everything. Else. But when he turned it on and went full Arya Stark with "Who are you? I'm nobody," <laughs> you know, that was, uh, that was great, man. He he stepped into that character and called himself the chemist. Now, are you familiar with that? Does that name mean anything to you personally, Bell? Uh,
1: I thought it probably should have, but it didn't.
2: Well, I mean, obviously, I think it's a nice nod to the fact that he himself is a, you know, is a scientist, a forensic scientist. He works with chemicals and that sort of thing. Uh, But actually, the chemist is a I'll I'll go ahead and I think it's safe to say a lesser known villain from uh, from D.C. This is a character that is mostly uh, uh, connected to Batman. I want to say first appeared on the Batman, the animated series. I could be wrong on that. And has also been um, utilized with both Batman and Batgirl. I don't think, and I could be way off here, that um, that he's ever had any interactions with the Flash. So I think it's just a deep cut of sorts as kind of a nice nod to anybody that might pick it up.
1: Okay. Yeah, I assume there's, there'd be some kind of, you know, comics backing on there. But I figured it was probably, like, really buried. <laughs> Which is why I didn't feel so bad when I didn't recognize the chemist. So I was kind of also thinking maybe, like... He'd seen too much Breaking Bad and like Heisenberg, you know, was a chemist and <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. And
2: you know, uh, yeah, interesting. So. Okay, all right. I I didn't uh, I didn't see that, but that, that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, now I will tell you somebody who's not as lesser known, although I mean, admittedly not not at all a top tier villain, and that's Gold Face. <laughs> I love <Goldface>. Gold Face. <laughs> all right. So first of all, I mean, there's just. <laughs> They did an excellent job with this character. I liked Goldface. I really did. I loved him. It was great. And I mean, they had the they had the. The opportunity, the obvious route of going very Bond villain esque here, and so I think it was. I think it was actually good they didn't go that route. They actually made Goldface a pretty, uh pretty solid, <laughs> no pun intended, pretty pretty solid. Uh, Don't be uh, dense, Bo villain here. Although I, I really did think after the end that, that he was toast or melted. You know? Yeah, I was like Barry, you just killed that guy. And then I this like- is what I'm always talking about, man. Like last week, I'm like, isn't it? Is not its does it make more sense? Isn't it more humane to give him? The the cure, and you're like, no, they don't kill him. And I was like, they always die, like like this one. He just, but he didn't, die. At, he didn't
1: die. He, he didn't die. They didn't know that at the his time. Eyes
2: melt. <laughs> I know that was very A graphic. Worse than death for Goldface. <laughs> <laughs> Gold eyes. Barry walked over to him very nonchalantly. He's like, "Oh, he's still alive." You know what I mean? Like, not concerned, not worried. No, he just expected him to be dead because that's what just ends up happening. The the villain just like, "Whoops! Oh, 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 I'm just gonna fall over here into this vat of piranhas." You know, the
1: the look on his face to me was kind of more of like shock and surprise that he's alive. As in, like, (laughs) I was kind of hoping he'd be dead. (laughs) Now, Goldface, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, but you know, I. I'm glad that, that uh Barry didn't inadvertently murder someone because I mean that, that's that's kind of the thing, right? He knew he was gonna hit the, the, the power box and it was going to shock him. Like he knew that was going to happen. And so if he had died, then Barry's intent would have been to kill him and, and he yeah. can't have Barry killing people. So I mean I was hoping for him to get some like Ralph would be like, You could have killed him and he'd be like, No, gold is very blah blah blah, you know, and, and it's 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 uh, uh uh you know, not resistant, it's a good conductor, and so the electricity just stunned him and then it went through the earth or something like that. Like I was hoping there'd be some kind of explanation as to why Barry chose that method uh, to make him seem less ruthless I guess and murderous but uh, well Goldface lived so I'm not going to complain about it
2: yeah no yeah it's good and I'm glad he lived because like I said this was a good take on the character now he was different from the character of the comics Uh, there's kind of a reverse type situation where the gold is actually on the outside for the comic book character, uh, the backstory would appear to be very, very different than what we actually got in the screen. But that's also par for the course with Goldface. Uh, Keith Keen, uh Kenyon, rather, is the uh, the character from the comics who has had his story retconned a couple of times over. You know, I think of in other media, the only other space that I've really seen him in was in the Justice League cartoon, where he was basically there to challenge Lex Luthor's authority and then get, like, promptly killed by Lex Luthor. So he was there <laughs> for all of, like, two seconds. Um, but, uh, but beyond that, man, he, it was originally more of a Green Lantern villain. Mm. And this was back in the day and age when Green Lantern, of course, the superhero with the ring that creates green constructs. Green Lantern's only weakness was the color yellow. Now, that in and of itself has been somewhat retcons to have a a better reason than just it's a different color uh, through, you know, the, 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 the emotional spectrum and that sort of thing. I won't get into all that. But regardless, back then, Green Lantern was his weakness was the color yellow and Goldface being covered essentially in the color yellow. Uh, It was like this walking vat of kryptonite to anything that Green Lantern could throw at it. And so uh, eventually, as Green Lantern kind of, uh, let's say, matured out of having a color for a weakness um uh, the goldface would then transition to be more of a uh, a flash villain and so it was a uh, a great a great cut a great use here and a wonderful way to use the character as an arms dealer I really am glad that he he survived and I hope he'll be back my my hope is given the fact that we've seen the rogues working behind the scenes that uh, I would not be surprised if we didn't see him again later on this season
1: yeah my first thought when I saw him and then when we had the whole interaction with it and everything I was like why can't goldface be the season long bad guy <laughs> you know like in his underlings and you know some rogues and stuff. I just, I just, what
2: a what a big get for Goldface! Like, yeah, like, wouldn't that be great? It's like we're gonna turn Goldface into a season-long big bad. That's 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 brilliant. That, that would, would be, be awesome. Amazing. I think. No, was, yeah. I, I'm with you, man. They could, they could, they could definitely pull it off. Um, all right. So in the midst of the storyline, as as Barry and uh, Ralph are working together, they they do end up. I, I was digging it up until, and perhaps even still through. They decided to go full on 90s angst with the Rob Zombie and the like laser tag. No. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, you're Back up in, in your you know, in your mom's basement playing Halo and listen Yeah, Rob Zombie. Dracula, the uh the, the
1: the song from the Matrix that I didn't expect them to choose. Right. Uh, I, I right. if they're gonna use a song, well it's not a song from the Matrix, but it's it's a, there, there's also a gunfight like, scene in a building in the Matrix. Wasn't that on the Matrix soundtrack? It, it was on the Matrix soundtrack, but it's not like you know it's not like Rob Zombie made that song for the matrix or whatever. Right. right but right, yeah, that that's the, the in the, the club with the white rabbit, they're playing Dracula there. But if they were going to play a song from the matrix for a gunfight in a building, I presumed it was going to be the song that they play in the, the gunfight in the building in the matrix. <laughs> you know, like, I think that would have been a nice little homage there.
2: I, I don't know, man. I think they were going for that, like that hard angst nineties, yeah. you know, the funny thing is like, I get, I would imagine you go there because of nostalgia, but of all the things from the '90s I'm nostalgic for, my angsty teenage self is not one of them.
1: Yeah, it just reminded me of GI Joe, like red, you know, like knowledge is half the battle; the other half is red lasers and blue lasers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, that's funny. All right, well, that was, uh, but that, but that was fun, and uh, I, I love the storyline. Once again, a great use of Ralph, and um, yeah, good, good way to put Barry in a in a scenario where. He is depowered and has to kind of, you know, go with the flow and figure it out, which he did. Yeah. And they also saved the day just not in the way they intended to. Uh, now, speaking of which, we also have Iris, who, you know, we, we've seen that, um, you know, she's making moves with her website becoming more of a legitimate uh, outlet. She has now got this new office space that is across from Ralph's. Uh, Barry's getting everything set up. They're painting. And, you know, Bell, I mentioned at the top of the show that, of course, we're in the process of moving and uh, and so I'm very, like, aware of, you know, we're trying to get the house ready for sale. And so I see Barry super speed that couch from one side of the room to the other, and I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to have to rub some walnut or something on the floor right there. Those are hardwood floors, and you just <laughs> dug a
1: hole right through it. I was like, you're not getting your deposit back, Iris. No. <laughs>
2: definitely not definitely not but anyway that was uh that was pretty funny um she's getting accused of not being a hard-hitting uh journalist that she's uh just kind of phoning it in what do you think about that Bell? i mean she writes for a blog no <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> dude dude i'm kidding
1: i'm kidding i'm kidding uh
2: yes blogs can't be a hard-hitting journalist with any impact on anybody's life just ask Aziz ansari
1: <laughs> right exactly yeah no it's it's uh they well they're comparing her to the other meta that with the uh st- I don't know why Stacey Keebler popped in my head. Um, but the, the other girl, like, oh, you know, she, she, the, the one who was making stuff up, basically. And so, yeah.
2: Oh, it, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was creating it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, when you have somebody who can just write fantastical stuff and make it happen, it's going to be hard to compete with that. So uh, and, and, and it usually is, you know, with journalism, the more sensationalized you can make it, the better. And Iris just doesn't want to do that, which I respect about her, you know, not not wanting to just, you know, get your clickbait headline and all that kind of stuff get real investigatory journalism you know and uh, so I, I think I think she's going to find her way and like that's the thing is she digs deep right she goes all the way well, to that's the, house. she
2: always has like well at least she did back in the day yeah and so it's kind of a nice return I mean we've, we've seen her do this before where she puts herself right in the middle of the action and you know and th- even before she knew that she had a guardian speedster that was going to pull her out of it Um, you know and, and I think she still approaches this not like she has a lifeline through Barry I mean at any given time she probably could have just sent him a text message and been like, you know, um, hey, I'm in his house and he's about to kill me. But, you know, she was after the story and after getting to the truth, not just to help the team, but also to kind of help... Well, I mean, I guess it is to help the team ultimately, but help to really just to help to help stop Cicada. And part of that is getting kind of public awareness out there. I love the fact that she made the connection with DeVoe and you know the fact that when she when when she's able to help the most, or when she's been able to help the most, it's been by exposing these villains to the public.
1: Yeah, and and also though, I mean, like you you mentioned the lifeline that Barry has, uh, or that Iris has with Barry. We gotta keep in mind that with Cicada, Barry's useless, and he would quickly become a liability when his powers yeah, get stripped away that's, trying that's to true. rescue so uh that that's another thing too and i I don't know if that was you know conscious uh on on the writer's part in her mind or whatnot but i don't think iris would would do that anyway right Um, because she is one of those to get in there and get her hands dirty and uh,
2: she got her hands dirty this one man she found she found Cicada's one and only weakness. Being houses. Stabbed. Oh yes, dollhouses. No, man, being stabbed. Yeah. She, right to the chest. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I, I said out loud to myself when I was watching this episode. She's like, "I think I found Cicada's weakness," and I was like, "Being stabbed
2: in an open chest
1: wound." <laughs> exactly, I was yes. like, "Who doesn't have that as a weakness?"
2: I think I'm. I, you know, I'm completely invulnerable except for being shot, stabbed, or hit, <laughs> bludgeoned to death. Yeah it's my only weakness (laughs) (laughs) but it was you know it's interesting though because i mean as you mentioned before barry is so used to having access to the speed that he can become a liability if it's taken away from him abruptly and you know i've been very adamant i don't like it when the heroes kill but it's a little bit different with some of the human characters like joe obviously pulling a gun or something of that nature you know i still don't like it because they're more of our heroic characters but i don't have i would have more of a problem of barry stabbing cicada in the chest uh, in, in a life or death situation that I do with Iris because she doesn't have access to super speed so it's a little bit more of a you know even playing field so to speak uh, she does though she straight up stabs him in the chest while he's trying to cut her so props to you Iris I don't know why you didn't stay and finish the job if I'm being honest yeah well I, <laughs> I was
1: sitting there thinking that when she was behind the couch and it's like man if she just brought a little Derringer pistol she could just end this right now but see
2: <laughs> that would now, now right now I, even as I was saying that now listening to you say it, that's just straight up murder that's not okay it's one thing when Self-defense, but that—that that is straight up murder. And we—we're we're not. We, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Flash TV talk is not pro-murder. We're—we're absolutely—it's it's vigilante justice. It's—is it?
1: Yeah. I mean, come on. If Batman can kill like 39 people in—in in, uh, that wasn't Justice Batman. League, and that wasn't that wasn't Batman v Superman. That wasn't. And- <laughs> I know I know it's it's one of, yeah it, it's really hard for me to advocate in any kind of stuff like that but you know there's a situation that it presents itself there and in the self-defense aspect of it yeah she was absolutely right and uh, I don't know if there's anything she could have done to follow up and maybe not 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 end cicada per se but uh, I mean I guess
2: she I mean did- I guess that is the that is the, the situation right like what is she gonna do like even if he's down for a second like that was that was your second either you off him or you get out and so she got out yeah Um. you know they do you know speaking of of, uh, you know dealing with cicada we do get a brief update from Cisco and Caitlin about the cure that uh, they have basically figured it out so the, the cure is ready to go they can't just uh, get him with it though it takes some time which means they need them to stand still for 60 seconds and um uh, you know normally for anybody else that would not be a problem but for cicada it's a little bit difficult or is it this is my one and only like cr- criticism or complaint I don't know what the right phraseology here is this is the one thing that bothers me about this episode which I loved I loved this episode can't Caitlin I mean like killer can't can still like freeze them, right? Uh, see, that's it's it's a brain thing, and like this is this
1: is what I was thinking about too. Is it is it something where like you have to have neutral like baseline brain activity for the for the cure to take hold, and that's why they have to like do the neural shutdown. Did they say thing? that?
2: Did they say specifically that Killer Frost can't freeze him? I I, I don't know. Like that's that's what I'm
1: trying to figure out because it seems like they're going for this neural inhibitor as opposed to just like you know uh, shooting it like, with with a stun gun that they just stole from the from the crazy underground you know terrorist flea market.
2: Yeah. All right. But like, all right, hear me, hear me out on this though. So technically speaking, like that, that maneuver they did before where they basically had him, uh, I think it was episode 100, if I'm not mistaken, they, they just straight up had him uh until vibe decided to just like vibe the thing in space and then he just kind of called it back to him yeah as opposed to vibing it to like the vampire world yeah just vibe it out to another earth so why not do the same maneuver and i get it because they had to create the magic thing with uh, not magic but they had to create the thing with the timeline stuff and so they can't they don't have resources like they did before and Yada yada yada. It's, vibe opens up a portal to another Earth. And this thing is done. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, they just boom. Like vibe cicada. Boop, gone. Well, not even because you don't want to dump him on another Earth and then he just kills people over there. I'm saying separate no, no. him from the from the dagger. Sure, but I mean, like you can put Cicada on an uninhabited Earth somewhere.
1: It's not yeah. it's not a big deal.
2: But I I mean, I suppose it's the same Doctor Strange argument for like why didn't he just you know cut off Thanos' arm like by you know teleporting? Oh, the
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did
2: it earlier in the movie. Why didn't he do it then? Uh, i mean it makes sense
1: yeah i I, yeah it's uh, what i was thinking of is yeah because you know uh uh, killer frost stuck him to the wall and so i'm I'm assuming he needs to be unconscious for 60 seconds for it to uh redo his pituitary gland that's that's my guess because nothing else really seems to make sense i don't know why they'd get for this neuro inhibitor thing or whatever uh but it seems to me like he needs to be unconscious for 60 seconds for it to rewrite his pituitary gland to get rid of the dark matter um, yeah that, that that's that's the way that i'm you know head canoning it so
2: by the way we did um, you know get further confirmation that of course these are identical twins that they got this from still no clue as to who those twins are but you know, know. Yeah. we'll see maybe maybe um all right then finally man uh gosh one of my favorite sequences eobard thon is basically obi-waning nora on timeline manipulation and it's glorious <laughs> yeah reminded me of
1: this movie called uh not primer i can't remember the ink. Uh, I no, never saw it. But yeah. It's a really neat movie. There's a character in ink and he's like this blind prophet kind of guy. And he, uh, sets this like one little thing in motion. Like he knocks this rock and then it ends up doing this whole crazy cacophony of events. That's uh that's uh, crucial to the storyline of the movie. And so I, I got, a, I got a vibe from that when Nora was, you know, putting this one object here and that one object there. And then all of a sudden everything happened. It was pretty neat.
2: That's so good. All right. So, you know, it's interesting too, because the reason why she's able to start kind of doing this is kind of the discovery of where people are at any given point in time, which makes me wonder if Eobard perhaps has more access to history, uh, you know, like, like knowing an in-depth history of, of individuals even, um, while he's in his cell, maybe he even has access to Gideon or a Gideon while he's in his cell, because we know that Gideon has kind of this vast knowledge of the timeline and how things kind of interact with one another and that sort of thing. Cause it's, it's pretty intricate to know just you Know where someone's going to be, especially if they don't necessarily have a, a specific major impact on history otherwise.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of really convenient for her to be there. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> now C. jitters that day.
2: As Eobard says, there's always a Wells, and you know, it stands to reason that Eobard, especially after taking. Uh, the first Wells' face, which he may still be wearing. We, we don't know yet. Um, You know, after doing that, he probably would have researched him. And, you know, I wonder if Eobard knew before he did that that this was not just a very prolific scientist on our Earth, but one of the most prolific scientists in the multiverse. So he probably, at some point, be it before or after, figured he was going to have to deal with multiple Wells popping up from time to time and may have, like, learned a little bit about them. You know what I mean? Like, he seemed to know that this particular Wells would be interested in in this particular kind of woman, because other Wells of other Earths were interested in this woman specifically.
1: Yeah, it seems to me like an idea, kind of like a camouflage, right? So the more he knows about each Wells and each Earth, he can go to that Earth and hide in plain sight.
2: Yeah, so it, that's interesting to me. I'm I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, I'm also, you know, kind of curious about you know Sherlock's background here with his multiple wives. Uh, of course we knew that he had multiple alimony checks. So that means he's got multiple kids out there. D- was was he like was this all going down at the same time? Did he basically have like multiple families that he was juggling across the multiverse? Uh,
1: I don't know. It sounds kind of like he's the Genghis Khan of the multiverse. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> starting out franchises, you know, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: I, I want to see the infinite children of Wells. Oh, wait, are they all Jesse? No, wait, but no, her mom was. No. Yeah, no, that was different. That, that would have been different. But I, anyway, I am kind of curious, though, if like we're, we'll ever see the, the infinite number of Wells kids that are out there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is why you don't jump Earths, especially for alimony, because now like that that could just increase exponentially. You could you have to pay infinite alimony checks. I know it's insane. It's a lot of money. And it, it, I mean, you know, gets on up there. Uh, all right. So there you go. That was uh, that was that was pretty amazing, and I thought it was a fun trip. You know, some people don't like Sherlock. I actually enjoy Sherlock quite a bit, even though he's not Sherlock sure Bard like I thought he was for a brief moment. I definitely don't think he is now. Although I think there would have been kind of some cool ideas with that, especially with the idea of Eobard jumping from multiple Earths. To uh, father multiple children that could go on <laughs> to later be his, you know, great grandparent at some point. You know, dad <laughs> to, to get the yeah get the get the, the Eobar genes back into the gene pool, man. You know, yeah, they like got gotta get there somehow. Eddie checked out, so you know somebody's got to do it. Alternate Earth, Eddie. So th- here's the real question, though. This this really does bring us to our real question, which of course will bring us to
1: speedster speculation.
2: Bell, why would Eobard want to help Nora catch Cicada? Because that's what he said, or rather she said. They said. They they talked specifically. Nora said that, you know, he can't find out that you're helping me catch Cicada. Now, why would Eobard want to help Nora catch Cicada? What's his game here? Well, here's my thought. Uh,
1: for some reason the cure doesn't work, uh, and this this is in Eobard's 2049 timeline. Uh, there, there was no cure. It never was created. Uh, nothing ever happened uh, as far as that's concerned. All right. Cicada keeps Killing. Uh, they catch Cicada, and then they give Cicada a deal, and they say, "Look, you want to kill metahumans? Well, how about you become our metahuman executioner?" And so, uh, me- you know, Cicada uses uh, his powers to depower the metahumans and then execute him. And so, maybe that's why Eobard wants Cicada found is because Cicada is this metahuman executioner in the future. And so, if he is caught earlier, that changes everything, and then the
2: timeline breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh interesting concept um so do you want to double down on that <laughs> like do you really think that his end game is to destroy the cut co- the timeline no 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 not to destroy the timeline but uh,
1: again this this is in nora's frame of reference so like if nora helps catch cicada in various timeline eobard would face i see i i I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's just Cicada is, is just a a, a a ruse or whatever that, that Eobard's using to manipulate her because that's the one person that her dad never caught.
2: Interesting. I mean, like that, to me, that seems to be the case. Like, it's, it's almost like if this is just an excuse to get Nora to do the other stuff that he really wants her to do. Yeah.
1: Right? And, and all these little, you know, helping with Cicada, this could be just one of those like little micro changes to the timeline that he was telling her about in this episode. It's like, you do this, you do that, you do that, and all of a sudden Eobard exists again or he uh, I think you're right man.
2: I mean like all right so that's been our theory from the ga- from the jump here is that really what it comes down to is he's trying to solidify his existence which was ultimately wiped out back in season 1 So, uh, you know, does, uh, to me, it would make sense, like you say, that he's really just using this as an excuse to get Nora out in the world, but it's also possible that there could be something about Cicada that accomplishes that goal. Not just the fact that the timeline is being, you know, so changed or, or, you know, molded, but that, you know, there's something unique about Cicada. Maybe it's his dagger. Um, You know, we've seen, what do we know about the dagger? The dagger goes, you know, flies away from him and comes back to him. But it also has the ability to take away... Powers from, uh, from other metahumans at least temporarily. Yeah. So uh, and also and to kill them like forever as well, right? Stabby stab, yeah. You got the got the stabby stab, which as as Iris taught us this episode, uh, regular knives do that as well. Uh, as does a pin. I think she stabbed him with a pin. Yeah, that uh, was it. A pin. I thought it was a knife.
1: Uh, uh, it looked like a little pin to me. So the pin is mightier than the.
2: <laughs> Than the the cicada dagger. (laughs) dagger. (laughs) Well, that is true. That is true. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's look at it from this standpoint, man. A cicada's dagger, being the way the way that it is and what it is, may be one of the only only weapons in existence that can satisfactorily like kill a speedster. Yeah. Because if if you do damage to most speedsters, I mean, they're just going to heal. Yeah. They can always kind of go, you know, run around you, and like, there's no. like like this could be the weapon that Eabard is looking for so that he could kill Barry. See I was thinking that
1: too and also, you know, if he has it or if it's gone or if it's destroyed that he it's not a threat to him either. Um so yeah, there's well, definitely that happening. Well, think about
2: it. If Barry if maybe hmm. Maybe if he is able to get that weapon and go back in time to the particle accelerator and kill Barry, then then there's no reason for Ibar to ever go back. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no reason for him to go back in time and for any of this to happen. Yeah, because he knows if he like he learned from before. If he goes back before Barry's the Flash, then he loses his power and he gets stranded in the past. Yeah, but if he goes to a point in time where Barry exists, um, albeit he wasn't generating a lot of Speed Force, which is why he had to use the apparatus to basically supplement his own power but still I I mean like if he went back there then he'd have enough time well you know what he wouldn't even have to he, at this point he probably doesn't even care about getting back to his own timeline he if he stops Barry yeah kill Barry wipe them both out but eobard will still exist in the future no longer like traumatized by you know the actions of, of Barry Allen yeah I think that could be it could be it, it still doesn't give us an explanation as to why his existence you know is but hopefully that's coming
1: yeah yeah I, I get the feeling they're gonna have to explain something
2: I'm surprised we we haven't gotten that yet although that being said if you know based on the name of next week's episode uh which is a cause and excess which of course is a play on cause and effect one imagines we'll be diving more into that very soon yeah so we'll see we'll see let us know what you think what is uh eobard's game in terms of catching cicada it does cicada play into his plans at all or is he just manipulating nora let us know what you think <laughs>
0: this is John Wesley Ship, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. Ready, yellow, ready, yellow, ready, yellow, ready,
2: yellow. All right, man, we got some great listener feedback in. We got uh, at BatCatShipper, a.k.a. Mari. Uh, over on Twitter, saying sorry, but my new favorite thing on this show is the Ralph and Caitlin friendship. Aw, <laughs> it is nice. It's good to see that. No, oh, yeah, it's it's legit. Like that was the one thing with a lot of the friendships with Ralph last season is they never really felt organic. That's not the case this time. He's he seems like an actually a, a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had David Honeycutt who said, uh, "Does the anti-vigilante law apply to Central City on The Flash?" Uh, this is in reference to a storyline, a plotline that apparently is going on over at Arrow. I don't think so. I think that the I think that Arrow and Flash are looked at in two very different ways. Uh, I think that metahumans and vigilantes are kind of two tiers that DC society seems to want to view everything through. But what do you think, Bo? uh Yeah, I mean, if, if if obviously they're different cities, so if
1: it's a city ordinance, then clearly it's not going to apply. Uh, if they're in different states, which I think they are, and it's a state law, shouldn't apply. So once it's a federal law, and I don't know the context, so I don't know uh, how they introduced it on Arrow, but yeah, I would think that it's probably something local uh, local or state level that uh, is specific to, uh, to that. That city and not to central city
2: yeah that's uh yeah that's that's right uh cody thomas who by the way is a patron shout out to cody because cody is helping make this show happen thank you so much brother uh all right so cody says just wanted to compliment you on a great podcast really enjoy listening and very happy to find your podcast you both are great, and hearing the extra details I miss are awesome. Going to be a loyal follower until the end. Cody, thank you so much. Yeah. We really could not make this show happen without you, so that, that means a lot. That feedback is huge. Absolutely. man. we also got some iTunes reviews as well. We got an iTunes review in this week from Flashy, a super fan. What did Flashy have to say?
1: Uh, best Flash podcast ever. Uh, best podcast for the best show. Great host who always have the best character breakdowns, laughable moments, and flashy, pun intended, Speedster speculations. Anyone who watches The Flash should totally listen to this podcast. I agree
2: (laughs) (laughs) high praise indeed and hey we are just three uh, reviews away from giving away another digital comic so head over there write us a review if you are one of those three then your name will be added to those of everyone that's right because as soon as we get to a multiple of 10 on our ratings we like to give away a free digital comic to everyone who has reviewed us so join the ranks head over to iTunes and write us a review it's a good thing to do now we've got uh, some live commentary going in right now from Donna what did Donna have to say Guys, what if the season ends with
1: Nora realizing that she has to go back in time like Barry did when he stayed with his parents and undo the harm she has caused to the timeline, thereby removing her presence from Iris's, uh, Iris and the Flash crew memories during this whole season? And Barry is the only one as a speedster who knows that this has happened after she resets the timeline. I think that would make a very interesting dilemma for Barry. First off, he gets to actually be a parent for his daughter in a significant way, something that didn't happen after he vanished in the future. Second, Nora gets to finally bond with her mother and understand now why Barry might have had to go uh, disappear in her timeline. She also got to be with her dad. Uh, Maybe this would allow her to come back again in the future in a less destructive way and spend time with Mm. him again, but more carefully. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we were talking about not too long ago It was how to write off Nora's character. And so there's a bunch of different options there. But this... (laughs) <laughs> I, I I, mean, this this would have to be that this would be a way where they could bring her back in a less destructive method. I think you're absolutely right, Donna. Uh, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do, but to have her remove herself from everyone else's memory, but Barry being a speedster would remember that would would mm. definitely accomplish those things and allow her to come back and not be so destructive uh, and allow Barry to bond with her in a way that, that you know, he never even got to. I think you're absolutely right. So that, that would be an interesting way to send her off, to write her off and have her come back without any sort of like really horrible repercussions so that that's that's a pretty good idea i like that
2: uh i mean do, why do we have to write her off that's the thing that i i i mean you're right that that way it, it's a it's a nice resolution to the character and it also allows for a door for her to come back that that's great and i think it's actually a really solid suggestion donna my main thing though is like i said why do we have to write her off I love Nora, dude. She is my favorite character on this show right now. I know, but she's got to go. Okay. Are we, we going to get rid of but- Caitlin, Cisco, Ralph, uh, Joe, yeah. Cecilia? Yeah. Yeah. Who? If I it mean- means keeping Nora, I-, I would trade. Let me think about that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would be happy to trade anybody at this point. At this at this point, Cisco has got one foot out the door. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 trying to figure out how to get out of his powers. Cisco's great, Cisco Tech is amazing, but now we've got like the tech from around the multiverse, which we we also have the ability to travel to to basically um uh, breach back and forth without cisco even being involved because they've mobilized his his power set so he doesn't we don't need him for the tech we don't need him for the power i love him for the the references but Nora's kind of bringing that now and there you go also, Caitlin, uh, Caitlyn, I will give you this. This season, Caitlin's been like the first time she's been interesting since the beginning of the show. So, I, you know, let's let's keep Caitlin until her storyline runs out and everything. But she's got to be a villain. She's got to go somewhere, man. Like, I'd rather write Caitlin off as to go off on her villainous journey and then come back as a super threat uh, than, than kind of keep her around in, in stasis. Joe, I, I do miss Papa Joe, but we've basically had no Papa Joe this season and it's been one of the best seasons of the series. So he's not necessary. And as much as Cecile has... <laughs> Has kind of facilitated that role and actually kind of stepped into her own and you know has had a really good season she's also not necessary to the team and I would even argue that the role that Cecile and Joe play in being that mentor is the role that Barry and Iris are stepping into and have stepped into this season and will more thoroughly uh, and 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 you know fully step into it if Joe and Cecile are removed and Nora remains so to answer your question before as much as I never like seeing people go I love because I love all those characters I I really do I would trade them if it meant keeping Nora yeah it's just you know apparently two speedsters didn't work
1: because it didn't work with Wally and so I just don't know if it's
2: I think I, I you know what I, I hate to say this I mean I you know I think I think the I think what killed Raleigh was not the fact there were two speedsters I think the problem was bad writing well think- that was bad it was I mean again not universally not universally the writers on the show have had a lot to juggle with and everything else I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus but it was clear that established Wally's relationship especially with Barry was not a priority I think that they treated Wally like an accessory as opposed to it like a real character he was an accessory to Joe he was accessory to Barry and he was accessory to uh to Iris and he was never allowed to be a full character at least not on the flash and so he was always just kind of tacked on and tacked on and tacked on Nora is a fully fleshed out character she's not just an accessory on the show like she is the kid flash we should have always gotten in my opinion and you know what I'm not mad at because at the end of the day, we've got this amazing new character that I think really kind of can stand on our own two feet and, and really kind of carry uh, a, a significant plot line within the show, as we've seen and develop significant relationships and be a wholly developed character in our own right. So, yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just I don't, I'm not I'm not I don't know what they're going to do.
1: Uh, it'd be it'd be cool if they can make it work and, and fit it. But uh, I, I, I get the feeling that that she's not going to stay around. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, th- I think it'd be great see. to have her. You're right about all the things you're saying about she's, you know, carrying the storylines and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. We got so many
2: characters on the show, man. Great thoughts, Donna. Thanks so much for, uh, for sending that in and joining us live here. Also, you can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on the Twitters. I'm at the Real Bow York. Bell is at ring that bell. And of course, you can follow us on Flash TV Talk. But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show,
1: feel free to email us at flash at podistery.com. That's com.
2: Also, you can join us live at facebook.com slash flash TV Talk. we like to record the show live on Wednesday nights. At least we do, whenever there's a new episode of the Flash and when I'm not going to be on the road. So <laughs> stay tuned to your local listings, talking, of course, about Facebook com slash flash tv talk to find out if you're gonna have a next uh, live episode next week uh, spoilers i think you probably are but i, I don't know
1: <laughs> and as always special thanks to charlie bach who provides some music for our uh for our episodes you can find out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash charlie
2: bach also we are a member of the tv talk fm collective of podcasts. head over to tv talk fm to find some great tv talking podcasts and until next time we'll be back in a flash